Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I hope you heard yesterday's show. If not, it's recapped. MarkLevinShow.com. Check it out, particularly the first hour. Man, oh man, Ashevitz, are you ready for this show? I hope so. The volume should be up. It's going to take a little bit of focus. I've done a tremendous amount of research. I decided... To dig in and to look at the Biden-Ryan debate in 2012, October 11th, for the vice presidency. All day long, you've been hearing that the presidential commission needs to fix the debate structure because of Trump. Trump interrupting Biden. Trump started interrupting Biden. Despite the fact that I've pointed out, now others have pointed out, that it was Biden who first interrupted the President of the United States was Biden who first broke the rules and continued to break the rules. The fact that I played a short clip of the 2012 debate with Paul Ryan, who doesn't interrupt anybody, and showed how he was using the same stunt, the same tricks, laughing, facial tics, waving his hands, uh, staring into the sky, you know, the things that, that a slug does, in his debate with Paul Ryan. So now I have pulled up the entire debate with Paul Ryan, or let me say this, six minutes of the debate with Paul Ryan. Unfortunately, you won't be able to see the video, but I want you to listen to the audio. Because I've counted 85 times in the 2012 vice presidential debate, 85 times, and you will hear the ding that goes off every time Biden interrupts Ryan. So what I have been trying to point out over and over again, that it was Biden who came in as the brawler. It was Biden who started to break the rules. It was the president who punched back because he didn't want to be Paul Ryan. 
So let's begin this process. And man, I've got so much good stuff for you today. Seriously. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So here's a montage. Hat tip Vimeo. Up the volume. Here we go. When we show that we're cutting our own defense, it makes us more weak. If they're more brazen in their attacks, and our allies are less willing to... With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. What do you do? Let me tell you what the Ayatollah sees. The Ayatollah sees... In spite of their opposition, they've given 20 waivers to this sanction. I think that case speaks for itself. Can you tell the American what's worse, another war in the Middle East? They are encouraged to continue, and that's... Let me ask you what... The world's largest sponsor of... They've dedicated themselves to wiping an entire country off the map. You don't read the statistics. Look, that's not how it's going. It's going this down. This is two-minute answer, L- Look, that have been Martha. Just how go ahead. Go ahead. That's Martha, look. Who are applying for grants. <laughs> that's what we do. We do that for uh, all constituents who are applying. Oh, I love that. I love that. This uh, is such a bad program. Was it a good idea to borrow all this money from countries like China <laughs> and spend it on all these various different interest groups? Let me tell you, it was a good idea. It was a good idea. We've gone over this quite enough. And by the way, anybody you send me, I'll enter. As a result of this. It's not with it. 7.4 million seniors, that's a $3,200 benefit cut. That did what we're happen. saying, more people signed these up. are from your own actuaries. More, 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 more people signed up for Medicare Advantage what, after the change. What there's no, the, nobody is Mr. Vice President, down. I know, no, no, this is Mr. Vice President, I know you're under a lot of duress to make up for lost ground. <laughs> But I think people will be better served if we don't keep interrupting each other. Well, well don't just, take all the four minutes then. Organize the retirement around these they problems. Are, are. Let, let me ask these you this. Programs what? Together with a prominent Democrat senator from Oregon. There's not one Democrat it's who endorses it. Not one Democrat who's Our partner is a Democrat from Oregon. And he said we, he does we, no longer support we put you. It, we put it together with the former Clinton budget director. Who this disavows idea, it. <laughs> here's the point, Martha. Which was reflected. If we don't fix this, that's not a political thing. Martha, that's if a we mask. just did one thing, it, it, seniors it has a are not formula. denied. So Absolutely. They are not denied. Look, folks, I, I, I make a big about making their money work faster for them within the Social Security system. That's not what Mitt Romney's proposing. What we're saying is no changes for anybody 55 and what above. What Mitt Romney is proposing. And then the kinds of changes we're talking about for younger people like myself is don't increase the benefits for wealthy people as fast as everybody else. Martha. Slowly raise the retirement age over time. It wouldn't get to Martha. the age of 70 until the one year 21 oath completely misleading, but more importantly... That's what they're the facts, this, right? This is what politicians do when they don't have a record to run on. It's going to tax... Medicare beneficiaries have more benefits... We are not going to... But we have to save it. You are jeopardizing the program. Your ch- I won't get a very simple answer, but let me ask you this. I gave you a simple answer. He's raising the cost of Medicare. Which has a broader base of taxation so we can lower tax rates across the board. Now, what we're saying is here's the framework. I hope I'm going to get time to respond we to this. Want to I, I, you'll get time. He is wrong about that. There, you, can, that? you can cut tax rates by 20% for middle class taxpayers. Not mathematically it, possible. It, it is mathematically possible. It's been done before. It's precisely <laughs> what we're proposing. It has never been done before. It's been done a couple of times. Actually. It has never. Been Jack done Kennedy before. lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald oh, Reagan. Oh, now you're Jack Kennedy. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats have worked together on this. You'll, That's I understand right. you guys aren't used but to doing bipartisan deals. But we told each other what we're going to do when we did it with Republicans Reagan. Republicans and Democrats. Said, here, here are the we things we're going to cut. Framework. Let's what work he together said. to fill in the details. That's exactly. Fill in the details. That's how you get things done. You work with Congress. Look, let me say it this way. Mitt That's Romney coming from governor. the Republican Congress working Mitt, bipartisanly. Mitt Romney. 7% rating. Mitt Romney oh. was governor of Massachusetts. The aisle. He didn't compromise principles. 
And you saw what common ground, and he balanced the budget. If he did such a great job, if he did such a great job in why isn't he even contesting Massachusetts? What would you? Higher income people here. Can you guarantee this, that no one making less than hundred thousand dollars have a mortgage? This mortgage deduction impacted. This taxes a million small businesses. He keeps trying to make you think that it's just some movie star, or hedge fund guy. Ninety-seven percent of the small businesses make a million small businesses. Does it tax ninety-seven percent of the American it, it businesses? It taxes a million small, small businesses. Who are our greatest job creators? I wish I could get it. The greatest job creators. And you're, go, and you're going guys. to increase. Think the about this budget. And you're going to increase the defense. No, we're just not going to cut the defense budget like they're, they're proposing. It's two billion dollars. That's $2 not billion. Dollars. More we're than that. No. Preventing. So no man have this increase in defense. Two trillion dollars. You, you don't cut defense by a trillion dollars. That's what we're talking about. And the, what what national security issues justify an increase? We're gonna, I know that's not some of the military. That was the decision of the. Do you know why we say that? Like because we don't want to broadcast to our enemies how best to complete this timeline. We what we do not want to do in twenty. What we do not want to do to hold and wait out for us and then take over the. Martha, that's a bizarre. That's why we want to make sure. No, that's, that's a bizarre why we want to make sure that this. That makes them less safe. We're sending fewer people out. We're supposed to do a month ago because we, but we took 22,000 people out turned them to do over it. to the Afghan troops. We trained calendar works the same every year. It <laughs> does work the same every year. And we're <laughs> not summer, there. fall, fewer people to the front to fight them. And that that's right, safe. because let's, that's the Afghan. Let's move. Let's move to another war not in the east. Why east? RC RC East, the most dangerous place. That's in why. The world. That's why we don't want to send fewer people. That's, to do that's why we should send Americans in to do the job, to do the job no. but fewer of them. That's, that's, the that's right. We're sending in more Afghans. to. Iran is flying flights over Iraq. And the opposition is being armed. Incest and life of the mother. Now, I've got to take issue with the Catholic Church and religious liberty. You have. If they, if they agree with you, then why would they keep the biggest problems? And what I would tell him is we don't have to settle for this. I, I, we can do better than this. I hope I'll get equal time. I, I, you, you. And by the way, our budget? We, we have not spent by 3% a year. This goes on and on. You just heard six minutes of it. In many ways, it sounded like the debate the other night with Joe Biden, didn't it? The difference is, poor Paul Ryan, he's really plugging ahead. He's trying to get his information, but he's being drowned out. Donald Trump's not Paul Ryan. And Donald Trump fought back. And he used the same tactics Biden has used throughout his life, throughout his career, whether he's trashing Bob Bork or Clarence Thomas or Miguel Estrada or God knows who else. This is the Biden technique. This is what I'm trying to point out to the entire nation and to any journalists who are serious. Donald Trump didn't start this. It was Biden who started it on Tuesday debate night. Go back and check it. Trump was doing his two minutes and Biden interrupted him three times. Three times. And Trump was not going to put up with it. It was Biden who came in with a brawling strategy. It was Biden who came in to call the president over and over again a liar, to use the two minutes that he had to make nasty, vile allegations. He's a liar. He's a liar. Then the name calling. And Trump didn't call him a single name. Not one. But he pushed back. And that's why everybody's upset. He pushed back. And then they say, you know, a pock on all your houses. No, not a pock on all your houses or both your houses. 
This is what Joe Biden does. This is what he did in 2012, October 11th. I just played you six minutes of it. He interrupts, he interrupts, he talks over, he talks over, he's got that weird laugh. He's rolling his eyes, he's making faces, he's distracting. That's what he does. The President of the United States fought back. And if the President of the United States had not fought back, he would not have been heard. His points couldn't have been made. And now we have a presidential commission that's going to do what? That's going to change the rules to accommodate Biden? It was Biden who went in there throwing Molotov cocktails. And the president's under attack today by pseudo-conservatives, by Trump haters, by fence-sitters, by the media. Certainly won't call out names. We're not allowed to do that. Go back and look who started it. Go back and listen to what I just played with Biden and Ryan. Same damn thing. Same damn thing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I went up and digged up the history of uh, Donald Trump being asked about white supremacy by the media. It's constant. And you understand why. They're asking about white supremacy because the question becomes the issue. And they're trying to use it to uh, effect the election. I said this yesterday, uh, Media Matters, which is a, uh, a supposed to be a nonpartisan charity that's now uh, been sued for taking uh, relief money under the coronavirus package. It is a absolutely reprobate operation. And they said, I said, there's a plot. There's no plot. It's just pretty obvious. I said yesterday, and I've said before, I think the president's made headway with African-Americans, black Americans, particularly males. And so the, the idea is to slime them. Now, here's a montage I want to play you, hat tip Twitter, of Trump condemning white supremacy at least 17 times. At least 17 times. Cut to go. Condemn white supremacy, the neo-Nazis. He hasn't condemned the darn thing. You've got David Duke just joined, a bigot, a racist, 
a problem. Would you, I'm not would looking you repudiate David Duke? Sure. Uh, David Duke and robocalls are out again, the white supremacist movement supporting you. Uh, do you have any know. words for that? Well, I disavow. David Duke endorsed me? Okay. All right. I disavow. Okay. When we looked at it and looked at the question, I disavowed David Duke. So I've disavowed David Duke all weekend long on Facebook, on Twitter, and really? obviously it's never enough. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal statement renouncing the support of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. When Chris joined, we had a news conference, and they asked me the exact same question. I said, I disavow. I disavowed then. I disavowed today on ABC with George Stephanopoulos. I disavowed again. Uh, David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. I totally disavow the Klu Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. Ultimately, he got to the Klu Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Klu Klux Klan. David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. do you want those votes? No, I don't want them, and I don't want him to say it. And yeah, you I want the supporters? No, I don't want anything. I, I, what do you think of white supremacists, by the way? I don't like any group of hate. David Duke announced his Senate candidacy, claiming your agenda. Are you ready before you ask the question? Newt Gingrich said every Republican should repudiate this guy, I no did. matter what it takes. And I do. Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuked. Rebuked. Done. Done. Do you want white supremacists to vote for you? No, I don't at all. Not at all. His campaign is denouncing a show of support from the KKK's official newspaper, as in the Ku Klux Klan. In the same New York Times interview, he denounced white supremacists. He denounced the neo-Nazis who support him. Racism is evil. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK. Neo-Nazis, white supremacists. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. I spoke out forcefully against hatred, bigotry, and violence. I don't know how many more times this man can say it, so it's clear that the media are pushing this narrative. The media and the Democrat Party. Now, he was asked this question on March 3rd, 2016 at the Republican debate. You've heard, I'm sure it's been played. What is it, Rich? Cut four, go. I totally disavow the Klu Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. I've been doing it now for two weeks. This is, you're probably about the 18th person that's asked me the question. It was very clear. That question was also talked about in the form of groups. Groups. I want to know which groups are you talking about? You have to tell me which groups. Ultimately, he got to the Klu Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. And by the way, if you look on my Twitter account, almost immediately after the program, they were disavowed again. You know, it's amazing. When I do something on Twitter, everybody picks it up, goes all over the place. But when I did this one, nobody ever picks it up. Take a look at my Twitter account. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. Now, that was asked by Chris Voth. Why was he asked again? I'm not done with this issue. We'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. 
My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Now, yesterday, outside the... And by the way, I don't know what Tim Scott's problem is. He's uh, The White House has to be uh, more forceful. and uh, Maybe Tim Scott's not familiar that the president's being asked this all the time. And I think what Tim Scott should be doing is making demands of Joe Biden. You don't want to leave this show today. Trust me. I've got, wait, just just stick with me. So here's Trump outside the White House yesterday. Tells Kyra Phillips, uh, what is she, with NBC, Mr. Producer? I'm not, uh, ABC, it happens to be uh, Fox's uh, John Roberts' wife. Uh, She asked him about white supremacy. Cut five, go. Now, she says they clearly love you and support you. Do you welcome that? Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the, as I understand it, so-called leaders of the white supremacist neo-Nazi movement, his name is, I believe, Richard Spencer, he endorsed Biden. He endorsed Joe Biden. He said, Trump's been a miserable failure. His party's a miserable failure. I'm endorsing Joe Biden. So listen to the question. White supremacists, they clearly love you and support you. Do you welcome that? Honest to God, what kind of question is this? I mean, Palestinian terrorists clearly like Joe Biden. They do. Hamas prefers Joe Biden. Abbas prefers Joe Biden. The genocidal communist regime in China, Joe Biden, prefers you. Do you welcome that? He doesn't get questions like this. Look what the disrespect that our president receives because they disrespect you. This is awful. Horrific. Start at the top, please. law and order to be a very important part. It's a very important part of my campaign. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is law enforcement has to, police have to take care and they should stop defunding the police like they've done in New York. Like they've done in New York. I just told you. I've always denounced any form, any form, any form of any of that you have to denounce. But I also... Joe Biden has to say something about Antifa. It's not a philosophy. These are people that hit people over the head with baseball bats. He's got to come out and he's got to be strong and he's got to condemn Antifa. And it's very important that he does it. You know what's amazing to me? How the narratives get pushed. The Democrat Party and the, and the, and the media are always on the same page. Antifa is a Marxist anarchist violent organization. 
Black Lives Matter is a Marxist, anarchist, violent organization, has done billions of dollars of damage in our inner cities, has harmed numerous police officers. They, or their adherents, have killed people. And they keep going on about these white supremacists. I don't know anybody who supports white supremacy. So why do they keep saying this? And why do they keep trying to attach anybody who's not a Democrat? And the funny thing is, it's the Democrat Party that's always been the home of the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis and the Klan. But, oh, no, no, you can't say that. It's just disgusting. And so yesterday, or excuse me, Tuesday, the President of the United States, of course, the media not only jump on this, the media perpetuate this. Here was the talking uh, at, the, at the debate. Go ahead. You have repeatedly we- criticized the, the Vice President for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing right. extremist groups. Now keep something in mind. President was essentially asked this question four years ago. I played it for you. It's on the internet. The whole world can see it. Every reporter in the country can see it. Every moderator or would-be moderator can see it. Go ahead. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and stop? Sure. See, but the problem is that the way the question was set up is, is Antifa was included. And we know Antifa is behind, and, and Black Lives Matter is behind much of this, if not most of this, that's going on on our streets today. Go ahead. That they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. And, and by the way, uh, I'm just saying as a factual matter, I don't know how you look at Portland and Kenosha. And don't turn to Joe Biden and say, are you prepared to denounce Black Lives Matter and Antifa for the violence and the attacks on the police? Everybody knows who has two eyes and is watching this stuff. But these are the people who are behind so much of this violence. And how do we know this? Because Kamala Harris is cheering them on, right, Mr. Producer? She was cheering them on. They're, they're, they're contributing to bail, not for white supremacists and neo-Nazis, but for Black Lives Matter and Antifa. The mostly peaceful protests, the media themselves said it was mostly peaceful. Media didn't say it was mostly peaceful except for white supremacists. They said it was mostly peaceful, right? They're so corrupt and dishonest. Go ahead. Do that, do it. Well, I would ahead, say sir. I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right. So wing. the president said, "Sure." Then he says, "Sure, I'm willing to do that." The president has said over and over again. It goes back and forth about Antifa at this point, and then he said, the "President didn't denounce it." I wonder what Tim Scott has to say because Tim Scott is the go-to guy apparently for Republicans in the media. He was very concerned. Is Tim Scott not aware of what the president has said over and over and over and over and over again? See, the Republicans, they just embrace the tactics of the Democrats in the media. They embrace the tactics. One of the leading neo-Nazis and white supremacists in the nature, Richard Spencer, has endorsed Biden. When David Duke in 2016 endorsed Trump, he shot it down, but he was asked over and over again. Biden's not asked once 
about Richard Spencer. In fact, he gets this loaded question from, uh, what's her name? ABC News. Forget her name. Kyra Phillips. White supremacists, they clearly love you and support you. Why? Is she taking a poll? And then we have uh, Caitlin Collins, who works for CNN. CNN. This group, what's it called? Proud Boys? I, I don't even know what. How do they know it's a white supremacist group? The guy that heads it, it's a black guy from Cuba, who I believe is in England. What is it? Every group? Every group is a white supremacist group? I don't, I don't even know what that means, and I think that's what the president's getting at. What group are you talking about? I'm not familiar with all these groups. What do you mean? Proud boys. I, I don't, you want me to denounce a group? I'm not even familiar with them. And neither are the media. They just repeat themselves. Go ahead, cut seven, please. It's really interesting, too, to see that the media seems to be the only one putting the names of these groups into headlines, into media reporting. Uh, he didn't know who the Proud Boys were. The first time I heard of them was in the debate. Uh, but the media uh, continues to put these names into circulation and give them a lot of public attention. He was given about Justin. 12 hours, more than that, since from the debate from when he was asked to clarify yesterday. And he didn't come out and clarify yesterday. Instead, he did what you did when John asked you to unambiguously denounce these groups, you just pointed to... All right, now, now, let me let me stop. So, John Roberts, will he unequivocally denounce white supremacy? Now, his wife, who works apparently for ABC, he just did that. She just asked. But now, now we have the president, you see. and Excuse me, his press secretary. So, Roberts went at, and now, CNN. CNN. Well, I've had enough of this. Because there is a bigot running in this campaign. I mean a full-throated bigot. And I hope the minorities in this audience, particularly black Americans, are paying attention to what I'm going to tell you. A true bigot. I spent 40 minutes before this show. That's all it took. My own research arm. Me. 40 minutes to find this. I don't have researchers like these various multi-billion dollar news operations. I have me. And let's get started. October 12th, pay attention, media, you bastards. Start paying attention. Washington Examiner. October 12, 1975. Joe Biden. I think the Democrat Party could stand a liberal George Wallace, someone who's not afraid to stand up and offend people, someone who wouldn't pander, but would say that the American people know in their gut it's right. That's what he said about the racist George Wallace to the Philadelphia Inquirer. More 1975, Joe Biden. I think the concept of busing, that we're going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and all the rest, is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride. It's a rejection of the entire black awareness concept, where black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and the cultural awareness of the importance of their own identity. So there he is, opposed to integration. 
1975. Now, from the New York Times, 1977. By way of the Business Insider. Quoting Biden as saying that non-orderly racial integration policies would cause his children to grow up in a racial jungle. He then said, unless we do something about this, my children are going to grow up in a jungle. And the jungle being a racial jungle, with tensions having built so high that it's going to explode at some point. No wonder Richard Spencer has endorsed Joe Biden. What's wrong, media? What's wrong? Can't you find your own damn reporting? More in 1977. As reported last year in the New York Post, Joe Biden on segregationist James Eastland of Mississippi. I want you to know that I very much appreciate your help during this week's committee meeting in attempting to bring my anti-busing legislation to a vote. Biden wrote to Eastland June 30, 1977. Eastland was a plantation owner who believed blacks were an inferior race and forcefully fought desegregation throughout his career as a Democratic lawmaker. And they got this from letters. And letters of friendship between Biden and Eastland going back to 1972. I'm not done. But I have to take a break. Trust me, you're going to want to come back. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I'm not done. During a 1987 fundraising trip across the South for his unsuccessful 1988 presidential bid, Biden sought to appeal to white voters, telling audiences that he had received an award from George Wallace in 1973 and that the segregationists had lauded him as one of the outstanding young politicians of America. He even called Wallace a friend. Also in 1988, and on the floor of the United States Senate, Biden praised segregationist John Stennis, Democrat Mississippi, as a man of character, even after the Democrats sought to oppose Brown versus Board of Education with something called the Southern Manifesto. In fact, Biden has even bragged about Stennis gifting him with the table the Southern Manifesto was signed on. 2017, Biden says, I've been around so long, I work with James Eastland. 
Biden said at a rally for Democratic Senate candidate Doug Jones in the fall of 2017, Eastland, the segregationist from Mississippi, said, even in the days when I got there, the Democrat Party still had seven or eight old-fashioned Democratic segregationists. You'd get up and you'd argue like the devil with them. Then you'd go down and have lunch or dinner together. The political system worked. We were divided on issues, but the political system worked. I don't know. Would you be sitting down with a segregationist? Here's comments he made about working with segregationists further. 2019, Biden had been talking about his time working with Democratic Senators James Eastland and Herman Talmadge of Georgia, known segregationists in the 1970s, when he began discussing the relationship. I was in a caucus with James Eastland, he said, before imitating a southern accent and claiming that the senator never called me boy, which is considered a derogatory term used against black men. 1994, it's called the Biden crime bill, by the way. That's what they called it because he wrote it. He was chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He said on the floor, we have predators on our streets that society has in fact in part because of its neglect created. He says, we, he described a cadre of young people, tens of thousands of them, born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience, developing because they literally, because they literally have not been socialized. They literally have not had an opportunity. He said, we should focus on them now because if we don't, they will, or the portion of them will become the predators 15 years from now. Who do you think he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Biden's 1993 predator remarks are similar to comments made by then-First Lady Hillary Clinton in 1996, where she warned of super-predators who had no conscience, no empathy, and who need to be brought to heel. Twenty ten, his eulogy for Robert Byrd, who founded the Ku Klux Klan in West Virginia. There was no Ku Klux Klan in West Virginia. West Virginia had broken off from Virginia and it sided with the Union. So he founded the Ku Klux Klan of West Virginia. He filibusters the 1964 Civil Rights Act, and I guess that qualified him to be the Democrat majority leader in the United States Senate. And among many other things, what did Biden say about Robert Byrd? Quote, to me and for a lot of us, he was a mentor and a friend. And for a lot of us, he was a guide. Biden said at Byrd's funeral. Why isn't Biden's record of bigotry and racism ever questioned by the media? Will it be questioned in the next debate? Tell me, if the media ever get to ask Biden a question, will they ask him about this? How about Kamala Harris? Why would she agree to run with such a bigot? Is it because she's power hungry? She hopes she'll be president soon after he's elected? seems to me the Democrat Party, the party of slavery, the party of racism, the party of segregation has a hell of a lot to answer for, including nominating this bigot to be president of the United States. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Mr. Producer, I'm getting emails. People asking me, can we get a transcription of your first hour, particularly your comments about Joe Biden's history? Tomorrow at MarkLevinShow.com, MarkLevinShow.com, we've started transcribing the first hour of this program. Uh, anywhere else on there? They, uh, open your microphone, Rich. So they go to MarkLevinShow.com. Anywhere in particular on the website? And they can click on Daily Recap and click on October 1st, today's date. All right, so hit Daily Recap, hit October 1st. You'll have the audio and the one hour. The first hour transcription will be there tomorrow. I would strongly encourage you to pass it along. Maybe this is what I'll discuss on Hannity tonight. But, oh, I will be on Hannity tonight, 9.15 p.m. Eastern. I'm the lounge act for the president. Apparently the president will be coming on after. So uh, 9.15 p.m. Eastern um, on uh, Fox on Hannity uh, tonight. And we very much look forward to that. This election, these debates, you know, I know people love to give the president advice. You know, you should just, Mr. President, let Biden talk. You can't just let Biden talk because he lies. And for people who are on the fence and they don't really follow politics, they'll believe his lies. And he doesn't just lie. He's nasty. He's calling names. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're the worst president we've ever had. The president can't just let that go. He'll look foolish, as a matter of fact. And during the first hour, despite what the commentator is saying, you and I watched it and listened to it, Biden was relatively cogent. He wasn't getting lost. I'd say in the last hour, he started to kind of tail off. Maybe that's a decent strategy for the, I mean, half hour, last half hour. Uh, But otherwise, he would have gotten badly defeated and mopped up like Paul Ryan did. And I I don't say that to criticize Paul Ryan. I think Paul Ryan did the best he could against, against Biden, who went in there to brawl. And so the president has this reputation as a brawler. He's a counterpuncher. Joe Biden does not want to discuss issues. Look, this man cannot get away with failing to tell the American people if he's going to destroy the Supreme Court. Packing the Supreme Court by adding two to six new seats in order to put radical liberals on the court so they control your lives without any recourse by you, election or no election. A guy running for president can't get away with that. Does he support it or not? Chuck Schumer does. He says he's the Democrat Party, but okay, where does he stand? We know he supports it, you and I, because that's why he won't talk about it. But for people out there who don't really follow this stuff, they have no idea. So they want to fundamentally change how the three branches of government function. Schumer's out there saying yes. They want to give statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico. Here's the problem. You can't just pass a statute to do such things, but they don't care, particularly if they control the court. So they want to add four Democrats to the Senate, which means it becomes almost impossible with the open immigration rules and the other changes they're going to make for Republicans to muster enough votes to win the Senate in a generation. In a general, you see this playing out in California. California is their blueprint. The Republicans have no chance of taking the state legislature. They have a, Democrats have a supermajority in the House and the Senate. 
They own the governor's mansion. As soon as they got in, all they needed was a couple years. And they destroyed it. They destroyed the government. They destroyed their constitution. And obviously they're destroying, if not the most, one of the most beautiful states in the country. Everybody would say, you want to really make it? Go to California, land of opportunity. Now they say, let's get the hell out of here. That occurred in 10 or 15 years. That's it. The Democrats love California because it's power. Care about the country. They don't care about family. They don't care about any of it. Certainly not the Constitution. It's meaningless to them. Their ideology doesn't comport with the Constitution. And so Joe Biden won't give us a list of the possible nominees because he knows they're radicals. That's why. Extremely dishonest. He can't get away debate after debate with, with a head fake saying, look, I'm not mentioning, not because I'm, I'm trying to avoid you, but because I don't want to make this an issue. But it is an issue. If you want to change our government, it's an issue. If you want to change the United States Senate for all time, it's an issue. And then what else do they want to do? Eliminate the filibuster rule. Why do we oppose that? Well, because the Democrats want to put it in place. So at least for a two-year period at the minimum, they can rush through hundreds of pieces of legislation that will affect your lives, your livelihood, And the future of this country. I saw it in Virginia. They couldn't act fast enough. They will pass laws that affect the Bill of Rights. Empowering the federal government against you. They will pass laws that are race-based on identity politics. They will pass laws to fund and support their front groups, these organizations. Give tax benefits to their constituent groups. While punishing their opponents. This is what they're going to do. And, of course, they're going to go after the Electoral College. Why? We've talked about this a thousand times. I've been on the air almost 20 years. I have to bring it up every year, unfortunately, because they want to make a run at it. Why do they want to get rid of the Electoral College? Because then the big cities and the big states run the country. There would be no Constitution, none, but for the Electoral College. Because the less populated states would never have agreed to join a union. Why would they? They'd be giving up all their power. And yet there are things that go on in this country that are so critically important that have nothing to do with the most populous areas of the country. Like, the breadbasket of this country is not in Manhattan. It's not in Georgetown. It's not in our cities. They feed our cities. They'll have no representation whatsoever, none. Our oil wells are not in our cities. Well, there's some, you know, you can drive through Los Angeles. But that, the serious ones that, that actually make energy independence. They're not in our cities. They're in our rural areas. They're in our less populated states. Except for parts of, of Texas and Pennsylvania. But Alaska, South Dakota, North Dakota, other parts of the country. And yet they'll have no representation whatsoever. All the campaigns will be in five or six states in eight or ten cities. So, of course, the Democrats want to get rid of the Electoral College. They can't lose. The Electoral College does one other thing. It keeps peace. 
It keeps peace in the country. Rather than balkanization and tribalization. Because everybody has input into the system. Everybody has input into the system. Whether they're in a rural area, an exurb, a suburb, or the city. Everybody has a stake. Those who produce, those who receive. Those in dense areas, those in rural areas. It has served this country very, very well, but the Democrats want power. They will burn down the Bill of Rights. They will burn down the Constitution. They will do whatever they have to do. Now, that's why, honestly, for me, I don't give a crap about these debates. I don't give a crap about the commentary after these debates. I don't give a crap about interruptions. I don't give a crap about... I could care less. I could care less. Because I, like most of you, know what's at stake. And while the media love these debates for the purpose of attacking the President of the United States and setting up phony issues like, uh, are, are you against uh, the uh, Klan and uh, white supremacy? and blah, blah, blah? Shut the hell up. Of course he is. We all are. It's the Democrat Party that embraced them. Right up to the last century, by the way. You and I know what's on the table. And we don't need debates to tell us what's on the table. It's a disaster in the wait, in waiting. Now I'm hoping maybe in the next debate, I doubt it, not only will Joe Biden be confronted on his his long history of bigotry and racism, that he'll be confronted as he says, I am the Democrat Party, on the exploding anti-Semitism within the Democrat Party. Whether it's Talib or Omar or AOC or the rest of them. The growing anti-Semitism. And Biden likes to I support Israel. No, he doesn't. He was the vice president of the most anti-Israel, anti-Semitic administration in American history. Where they embraced care, where they embraced the mother, uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Where they put the screws to Israel, where they, they give enormous sums to Iran. Will he be asked about his, his past racism and bigotry? Will he be asked as the Democrat Party, about the growing anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party? No, he won't. Certainly not by the New York Times, which has a horrific record when it comes to anti-Semitism. The worst record of any corporation in America, as a matter of fact. And he won't be asked about his bigotry and racism any more than the Democrat Party takes any responsibility for its own history. But this election really is like any, uh, unlike any other. This is an election over policy. This is an election over survival. You have people who hate this country, that have bought off on this Marxist ideology of a Democrat party, that throughout our history was small respites, has been anti-American, The party of the Confederacy. Can you imagine? The party of the Confederacy. The party of segregation. 
I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Well, here's some breaking news, Mr. Producer, from, uh, let's see, msn.com, regurgitating what's at radio.com. If this is accurate, of course, I'm not doing the first-line reporting. LeBron James buys Beverly Hills Mansion for $37 million. The king is a new castle. LeBron James reportedly, just reading it, I don't know this, Closed on a pricey new mansion in Beverly Hills on Wednesday, the same day as L.A. Lakers were set to open the NBA Finals. James plunked down a whopping $36.75 million, equal to nearly his entire 2020 salary. That's all right. They make a ton of money on all the promos. For the two-and-a-half-acre estate previously owned by soap opera legend Lee Philip Bell, a co-creator of The Bold and the Beautiful and The Young and the Restless, TMZ Sports reported. The swanky 9,100-foot pad... Boasts plenty of opportunity for James, wife Savannah Brinson, and their three kids to stay fit, featuring a grass tennis court with lights, an in-ground swimming pool. But doesn't America suck, Mr. Producer? There's also two guest houses, and no Beverly Hills manch would be complete without a screening room, which Bell had put in. The one-time TV host turned famed producer died in February at the age of 91. The homes is James's third in the L.A. area. Now, why do you need three homes in the L.A. area? Look. I'm a capitalist, that's fine, but, but he sort of has one leg on both sides. One for each NBA title to date. The four-time NBA MVA previously purchased two Brentwood mansions in 2018 for about $43 million combined, the real deal reported. James and the Lakers opened the finals on Wednesday night. Ah, who cares? In 2015, James sold his Miami mansion for about $13.4 million, Business Insider reported. So, it's his third house. In the Los Angeles area, this one is in Beverly Hills. He just paid $36.75 million, two and a half acres. Uh, that goes with his, uh, the, the other earrings he has, I guess these homes, $43 million combined. To Mr. Producer, <laughs> it's about $80 million worth three houses in the L.A. area. Man, what an oppressive society America is, systemically White privileged America. It's so sickening. It's so sickening. LeBron James has more money than 99.9%, even more than that, of the people in the United States. White, black, brown, or anything else. 
And I suspect this in part is why he and so many others who are that wealthy uh, are down for the revolution. He didn't buy a home in Watts. He didn't buy a home in inner city Cleveland. He didn't buy a home in, uh, in the Bronx. He bought it in largely white Beverly Hills. It's incredible, the hypocrisy. It's like Oprah Winfrey. And not just with African Americans. It's these, these billionaire white people like Soros. Soros has mansions all over the world. While they try and trash this country. You know who defends this country? The hardworking middle class of this country. People get dirt under their nails. People who work on our assembly lines. People who work in our grocery stores. People who drive trucks and, and taxis and Uber. The people who wait on us in restaurants. The small business people. The firefighters. The, the policemen who are constantly under attack. The emergency personnel folks. The teachers. And so many others. They're the ones who defend this country. Not these fools. Mortgage rates continue to remain competitively low. Depending on your credit score and a few other factors, you may qualify for a rate in the low threes or even a rate in the twos still. Meaning it's a good time to refinance with our friends at American Financing. After all, a lower rate means hundreds in monthly savings. Thousands and thousands over a period of years. Tens of thousands in long-term savings. It's the kind of money you can't miss out on. So if you want to capture a rate that's still near all-time lows, please act fast. And you I mean... You're burning money if you don't. Call American Financing. There's no pressure, no obligation, no upfront fees. Just a simple conversation around ways you can save up to $1,000 a month. A month. I highly recommend American Financing. My family's used it. Mr. Producer's used it. They love their experience. Because their mortgage consultants are in it for you. Doing what it takes to achieve your financial goals. So if you're ready to save, and you're ready to act now, give them a call. Now, they're open. 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. There you are. What a great organization. I wonder if, uh, if LeBron James used American Financing. I suspect he used uh, LeBron James financing. Don't you, Mr. Producer, expect that? Cash is king. All that money he earned. Much of it from the communist Chinese, I suppose, with Nike, right? Blood money, you might say. No, 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 no. We're not going to attack the communist Chinese. No, 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 not that government. Attack our own government. Better to do that. Because there's no consequence. I'll be right back. seems so confusing. Mike, we'll be glad to clear that up for you. Call in now at 877-381-3811. So a transcript of the first hour will be available to you. Did you say tonight or tomorrow, Rich? Tomorrow, a marklevinshow.com. That's the mothership, marklevinshow.com. The daily recap where we have the first hour transcript, the first hour only, as well as an audio of the show. It'll all be there, and I hope you'll take a look at it and spread it as far and wide as you can. What's that, Rich? All the articles that I uh, cite will also be up there as well. 
Now, uh, most of us have seen uh, this gentleman, uh, Scully, Steve Scully, is on the Washington Journal and C-SPAN. Seems to be a straight shooter. And yet over at the Blaze, they're reporting something about him I wasn't aware of. Uh, says here that he had been an intern for then-Senator Joe Biden when he was in college and later worked as a staff assistant to the late leftist Ted Kennedy in the communications office. What is with this presidential commission? Where the hell did this come from? It ought to be abolished. And the campaigns... I've been saying this almost 20 years now. We don't need a presidential commission. We don't need moderators. We had the Lincoln-Douglas debate. I saw McConnell saying, you know, that debate the other night wasn't exactly Lincoln-Douglas. He doesn't even know what happened in the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I've read them. Some of them were very highbrow. Some of them were very good. And some of them were pretty low, particularly thanks to Douglas, when you consider the issues that they were debating. I love these politicians. They think they know what the hell they're talking about. They know the foggiest idea. That's why I briefly went through a history last night of these different campaigns. Starting with Jefferson and, and Adams, which were brutal. And John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson, brutal, twice. And Ulysses S. Grant's campaign and others. And you have the media here That'll have people on their show and hosts who call the President of the United States Hitler and guests who say the most awful racist, racist things, particularly white males. They're horrendous. They're not a media. And then they wonder, well, oh, the debate seems a little rough. I don't know. No, it was a mostly peaceful debate, don't you think, Mr. Producer? The debate was mostly peaceful. I thought it was, yes. Mostly peaceful debate. You know, I have something... Uh, I mean, you watch this guy, Jake Tapper. That guy has an endless constipated look on his face. He's a Democrat. Or Jim Shuto, Democrat. Or Fredo Cuomo, Democrat. Or Dee Lemon, Democrat. Andre Mitchell, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. And, of course, their analysis. You know, that Trump, uh, you know, it's a real S show. That Trump keeps saying, that Trump, I played you at the beginning of this program, in the first hour, what Biden did with Paul Ryan. And Washington and the media were perfectly happy with Well, you know, you got to get points to Biden there. He was ready, boy. He, he was excited. He was involved. He was engaged. You know, Paul did his best, but he was outmatched. And what does Biden do? Brawling with the Tourette's looks and the laugh and the weird laughs at the wrong times and constant interruptions. I played those for you. And he started it again with Trump. This is the big lie that's, that, that's, that's out there today, that it was Trump. He started it with Trump when Trump got his two minutes. And I suspect Trump and his guys knew. No, wait, wait, wait a minute. We're not going to let you Paul Ryan us any more than you, you seek to bork people. And when you see and remember, and you can go online and do it, the way Biden mocked and attacked Bork, mocked and attacked Thomas, and on and on and on. And then he, he goes, oh, there's Joe. you got to feel sorry for Joe. Poor Joe. He's being interrupted. Poor Joe. Joe is an a-hole. He's always been an a-hole. It's a sleazeball. 
fact, I've got a story right here from the Washington Examiner. The wife, and I'll bet you haven't even heard about this. Certainly not on any TV show that I can tell. The wife of a Massachusetts transit police officer who was injured in the manhunt for the Boston Marathon bombers accused Joe Biden of touching her inappropriately and making a suggestive comment in 2014. Now, you, you, what about Trump? We've heard all about Trump. It's been investigated. It's been reported over and over and over again. What about Biden? In two Facebook posts, one of which has since been deleted, Kim Donahue alleged that during a remembrance ceremony in Boston, a year after the April 2013 deadly bombing, then-Vice President Joe Biden began, quote, rubbing her lower back. Where's the Me Too movement, Mr. Producer? We're the Me Too types. They really mean we're Me Too Democrats. Don't get in our way. Quote, listen, look at those eyes. Where did you get those eyes? Donahue wrote, Biden saying. Anyone else as good looking as you and that family? Those eyes are mesmerizing. People must just do whatever you say. This is Biden. I'm sure he'll be asked about this by Steve Scully. Is this going to show up on any news show today? Any? No. In a separate post, this one made in July 2016, Donahue reiterated her claim that Biden, quote, greeted me by rubbing my back in an inappropriate, uncomfortable way, unquote, then, quote, pushed, unquote, her husband, Dick Donahue, who was shot in the leg by one of the uh, uh, Sarnaev brothers aside. This almost sounds like that story about that Secret Service agent, remember, who almost slugged Biden because he was starting to fondle his wife right in front of him? Biden then asked if I wanted to ride in a car with him down to a ceremony. We were all attending at the marathon finish line, Donahue said. He led me down a black hallway, and I got inside the most uncomfortable three-person car ride I've ever been in. When reached for comment, Kim Donahue confirmed making the accusations against Biden, but would not discuss them further, because they're scared to death. Look what happened to this Tara Reid. They tried to destroy her, starting with the New York Slimes. I couldn't get out of that car fast enough. I practically dove into the pavement, Donahue wrote in the comments of the Post. Dick Donahue, her husband, who retired from law enforcement in 2016, nearly died following a shootout with the Sarna brothers, who were responsible, as you know, for detonating the two bombs near the finish line at the Boston Marathon. 264 people injured, three killed. We will never yield. We will never cower. America will never, ever, ever stand down, Biden said. We are Boston. We are America. This jackass stands in front of the camera, 77 years old. He looks like he's 127 years old, with the hands moving and the, and the, and the cringing eyes and the skinny lips barely moving. America, we need to unite. God, this guy's a clown. This guy's a liar. Don't vote for him. Vote for me. I'm the unity guy. You remember me? Touchy-feely, smelly, that's me. Mr. Plagiarism, Mr. Serial Liar, Mr. Bigot. Yeah, that's me. I'm going to unite the country. Vote for me. I'm Joe Biden. And despite all the media, billion-dollar international corporations owning these different broadcast networks, he gets away with all of it. They don't look into his 47-year background. They don't look at any accusations. They look at nothing. 
Nothing. Instead, they burp up and regurgitate yeah, Donald Trump. Once and for all, will you say that you reject white supremacists? They don't mean once and for all. These dim-witted reporters. It's disgusting. That's why I'm not one of these people on TV. You know, uh, during the debate, I think uh, Trump should have stood this way rather than that way, parted his hair on the other side, maybe not interrupt so much. You know, what, are, what, are the, uh, what are the independents going to say, the suburbanites? What? Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want to save your country, there's not a damn thing anybody else can do. No debate matters. If you don't want to save your damn country, and if there aren't enough of us who want to save this country, it won't be saved. And it won't be Donald Trump's fault. This guy's changed his career. He's put up with all kinds of holy hell. His family have come up with holy hell, criminal investigations, impeachment, coup attempts, spies. He has to put up with that crap from the corrupt media day in and day out. Morons. The hell else can he do? Well, if he would only debate properly. Really? Really? If Lincoln only debated properly, you know, if he only debated properly. History's going to judge us on this election. Our children and grandchildren are going to judge us. Did we save this country and their liberty? Or did we sell it down the road because of a debate? Or because of tweets? Or because they were persuaded by Chuck Todd, a loathsome little troll, a dim-witted moron? Or George Stephanopoulos, a Democrat Party hack. Or Jake Tapper, a Democrat. You know what's amazing? Jake Tapper, active Democrat, he was. Chuck Todd, active Democrat. Wife's active Democrat. George Stephanopoulos, big active Democrat in the Clinton administration. You go right down the line. Right down the line. They control every damn thing, pretty much. How dare you criticize the media as the enemy of the people? which is populated by Democrats and leftists and Trump haters. How dare you? You're attacking the First Amendment. The very people who are trying to burn our Constitution. And you got to listen to these, these phony conservatives, many of whom didn't back Trump in the first place. I really think, you know, Trump needs a chair. We're not going to get those independent... I guess the independents don't love the country then, because that's what's at stake, their family. You're not voting for Donald Trump. You're voting to save your country. You're voting for your family. You're voting for your livelihood. You're voting for your single-family home. You're voting for your automobile. You're voting for your way of life. You're voting to defend law enforcement and defend the military. You're voting to have secure borders. You're voting to defend capitalism. Institution. It's that simple. And you know who else knows this? My friends at Hillsdale College. I have something serious to talk to you about today. I don't have to tell you that we're in the fight for the soul of America. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project, by the Holocaust-denying New York Times, which seeks to destroy this country from within. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other nation in history. 
Ask LeBron James. He just bought a $37 million mansion. It matches his other two mansions. The best way to fight back, teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history and the last best hope on earth, America. And share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Very likable man. Very, very likable man. Got a book out, a cookbook with his wife. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah. Here's Maria from New Hope, Pennsylvania, talking about how Genesel has changed her life. Genesel's pulled up my jawline, tightened my neckline, and completely gotten rid of leathery-looking skin from years of sun damage. Now it's your turn to see the transformative results for yourself. Guaranteed or your money back. Guaranteed or your money back. And that's where the big surprise comes, ladies and gentlemen. For a limited time, all customers will get the new Genesel Crepey Skin Repair. That's the essential tool to repair damaged summer skin. Packed with copper peptides and MDL technology, Genesel's Crepey Skin Repair visibly erases crepey and unsightly signs of aging on your chin and your neck. All you have to do is call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Order the Genesel jawline treatment now and get the new crepey skin repair free. And for results in minutes, the, the Genesel immediate effects is also free. You've heard me talk about this for years. Now's the time to jump in. There's no risk. That's 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right, I want to get to something here. Like any other groups, religious or not religious, they're good ones and they're bad ones, and there's really bad ones. The Anti-Defamation League used to be a good group. Now it's despicable. Why? Because an Obama flunky took it over. And so it's a left-wing hive. And my buddy Joel Pollack, who's an Orthodox Jew, he writes in Breitbart, the Anti-Defamation League is circulating a petition among Jewish organizations urging them to criticize President Donald Trump for failing to denounce white supremacy during the first presidential debate on Tuesday, though he did so then and has done so often before, and I've laid out the case over and over again. The petition, which was leaked to Breitbart News states, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in part, Tuesday's presidential debate, when asked a simple question about condemning white supremacists, the president could not simply disavow these groups. After their mention, the Proud Boys could barely contain their excitement. This is extremely dangerous, and it goes on. Let me tell you about these self-destructive organizations. There are many of them, not just Jewish, but this is one of them. And there are several of them in my faith. It's a horrible thing. And I know from my Catholic friends, there's several of them in the Catholic faith too, but, but it's all faith. 
But this is so repugnant that the Democrats take over these organizations. There's not one word, not one word about the endorsement of Biden by Talib or Omar or, or, or Biden's endorsement of them. There's not one word of the anti-Semites who are part of the Biden campaign and support the Biden campaign. Not one word from the Anti-Defamation League. And here we have a president of the United States who's involved in peace efforts that are working in the Middle East, who's done so much for the state of Israel and beyond that. He's also done things for Jews in this country when it comes to free speech and it comes to protecting them from anti-Semitism, which is growing by leaps and bounds given our immigration structure. I'm being honest with you. On our college campuses and universities, Obama did nothing. Obama poured fuel on the fire. And this jerk who runs the Anti-Defamation League, this jerk who worked for Obama, Jonathan Greenblatt. What a jerk. You want to come on this show, pal? Come on the show. I'd be happy to confront you. You give us all a bad name. That's what you do. You destroyed this organization. So they want to get as many organizations as they can to sign this petition. And then the media will run with it. The anti-Semitic New York Times, the Holocaust-denying New York Times, the Holocaust-denying Washington Post, then all of a sudden they're going to run with it. All of a sudden, the the left-wing media that hates Israel, all of a sudden they're going to run with the ADL and all these other groups attacking Trump, creating another phony, fraudulent news cycle against the President of the United States who's been more supportive of the state of Israel, the Jewish state, and the Jewish people in this country than any president in modern times. And this is what he gets from these jackasses. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Laker playoff game. Loses 41% of its audience. It appears that uh, race politics doesn't fly. And these, uh, these leagues are going to learn it the hard way. So is ESPN, because ESPN is the mouthpiece uh, for these various leagues and these, these athletes retired and active. It's sort of the uh, MSNBC of sports, wouldn't you say, Mr. Producer? ESPN should just change its name. MSNBC-S, MSNBC Sports, because it's really 
identical. Same damn thing, in my humble opinion. Question by Christopher Jacobs, who's done the absolutely best job of monitoring the Biden's taxes here in the Federalist, a great website. Why doesn't anyone ask Joe Biden why he's dodging Obamacare taxes? Wait a minute. Is that possible? He says it was ignored in the last debate about paying millions in taxes when they focused on Trump, that Trump did in fact pay millions in taxes. I actually passed that along to the newsroom at Fox, that he had paid millions in taxes, $24 million, give or take, the alternative minimum tax. It was right there in the New York Times article. But instead, you know, we get the same $750. But the person who really should answer for his tax returns, he writes, is Joe Biden. A few hours before the first presidential debate of the 2020 general election campaign and amid a full-blown media kerfuffle over Trump's taxes, the Democratic nominee released his 2019 tax returns. The timing of the release seemed far from coincidental ahead of the debate, so Biden can say he made his returns public but without giving reporters and and the moderator time to absorb the returns prior to the debate. It seems Biden was hoping the details of his returns would become old news immediately after Tuesday evening. Apparently he's right, but not here. Reporters. Hello, reporters, are you still out there? Reporters should dig in the Biden's tax returns in the same way they've shown a seemingly unquenchable curiosity regarding Trump's, for one reason. Biden says he supports Obamacare, but has consistently avoided paying Obamacare taxes. You read that right. Biden's 2017-2018 return showed a tax avoidance strategy that allowed him to circumvent over half a million dollars in Medicare and Obamacare taxes. According to his own returns, he and Dr. Jill did the same thing in 2019. So they avoided paying the Obamacare taxes. Hello, hello, hello. Since the vice president left government service in early 2017, the Bidens funneled their income from book royalties and speaking fees through two corporations, Celtic Capri Corporation and Giacapa Corporation. I guess he's part of the mob. They paid themselves modest salaries through the corporations which they paid full Social Security and Medicare taxes. The Bidens took most of this book and speech income over $13.5 million, not as wages, but as profits from the two corporations. Taking that income as profits, corporate profits, allowed them to avoid payroll taxes on the $13.5 million. You see, the Social Security taxes only applied to the first $132,900 in 2019, But the 2.9% Medicare tax applies to all the income. And the 0.9% high income tax created in Section 901-9015 of the Obamacare bill applies to all wage income over $200,000. And for an individual, a family, $250,000. Taking their income as corporate profits allowed the Bidens to avoid paying this combined $3.8% payroll tax on the more than $13.5 million in income they received. And then they have a chart. And so I hope Steve Scully will listen to this program, the next moderator. And I hope you will look at the Biden's taxes, the S1 corporation they set up, actually two corporations, that they do not contribute 
their fair share, the Obamacare tax or the Medicare tax. Lunch Bucket Joe. What a corrupt fraud. What a crooked buffoon. Honest to God. And the media. What do you think, Jake? What do you think, D. Lemon? What do you think, Fredo? Andrea? Brian? All the other dim-witted buffoons? Who are at the bottom of the pecking order when it comes to newsroom. There's Joe Biden. The information's out. You don't even have to do the research. So if Joe Biden avoiding to pay dodging Obamacare taxes, well, he talks up Obamacare, while his party says, you know, that, that, that Judge Barrett's going to kill Obamacare. Well, if everybody did what Obama did, excuse me, what Biden did, Obamacare would be killed. And then we have the bigot, Joe Biden, that they've been able to hide up till now, thanks to moi. Isn't that repulsive? We have a great guest coming up, by the way, two of them. Jason Whitlock, I've become a huge fan of his. You know, he's more than a sports writer. He really is. He's more than a sports writer. He is a a brave, independent, and very, very intelligent and thoughtful writer about current events and the current scene. He really is. Fascinating. And so we want to talk to him. We've talked to him before. But of course, it's the big audience, the biggest audience of audiences. And we wanted to talk to him again. And we're going to have a wonderful candidate. Remember, the goal is to take the House away from Nancy Pelosi and make sure we have a majority of the delegations just in case this election is thrown into the House. This is crucially important, folks. I, I discussed it with you first. People are starting to pick up on it, including Pelosi. But the whole, the whole kit and caboodle is on the, on the table this election, and it's in your hands. And that's Jim Marchant running in Nevada, the 4th District, and we have a real shot at that, too. But I want to give you a little bit of good news from our buddy Bongino. Dan Bongino is one of my really good buddies. He's terrific. Bongino.com. You know, if you don't have go to the Bongino report and you don't bookmark it, you don't know what you're missing. Nobody goes to Drudge anymore. They just don't, and I don't blame you. It's a cesspool. A cesspool. Predictable and pathetic. But people are looking for alternatives. There are many great alternatives out there. Bongino, the Bongino report is fabulous. Lucien is fabulous. The Daily Wire is fabulous. And my, and, and our blaze is just terrific. There are other great websites out there, but I'm talking about aggregation sites. There are other great websites. Breitbart, of course, is terrific. I'm sure I've missed others. Legal Insurrection, Instapundent, these are all great sites, and I can't name them all, but there's a lot, of, a lot of competition and a lot of wonderful, honest sites out there for you to check out. But I wanted to tell you this voter registration data bodes well for President Trump in a handful of key states. And the registration data shows Republicans gaining more voters than Democrats and Democrats lagging their 2016 registration numbers in two cases. Think about this. I'm telling you, if we turn out in mass, we will beat them. 
We need to have a landslide. Oh, the 5400 project. and uh, Oh, and the, uh, the Ernie Grabowski and Frank Jones uh, uh, polls. They tell us. I don't care what they tell us. Florida. This date is from March through September. Voter registration. Florida. Republicans added 195,652 voters. The Democrats added 98,262. In 2016, Republicans added 182,983. Democrats added 163,982 over the same period. So when you count 2016 and the 28, excuse me, and the more current numbers, the Republicans, uh, about 120,000 net plus registered over the Democrats. Pennsylvania, my home state, the Keystone State. Don't let us down, Pennsylvania. And I love my home state. And I know how corrupt Philadelphia is. I grew up in and around Philadelphia. Corrupt as hell. The Democrat Party machine is the worst of the worst. Republicans added 135,619 voters. The Democrats added 57,985. So the Republicans added almost 80,000 more. In 2016, Republicans added 177,000. Democrats 155,000. That's 20,000 more. North Carolina, Republicans added 83,000. I'm rounding it off. Democrats added 38,000. In the 2016, Republicans added 54,000. Democrats, 38,000. You can see that uh, the Republicans and Trump supporters in those four battleground states have done a hell of a job. We'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. It's a pleasure to have uh, Outkick.com's Jason Whitlock here. Now, Jason Whitlock, um, first hour of this program, I played case after case where Donald Trump has denounced David Duke, white supremacists, and so forth and so on. He was asked about it in the 2016 Republican primary debates. He denounced them again. What's going on here, do you think? Uh, it's, look, it's the media rig job, man. The, the media, Donald Trump is a thousand percent right when he says the media is the enemy of the people. I'm sorry that that's true. I'm a longtime journalist and wish it wasn't true. But the, the media wants this polarization and divisiveness, and they've so bought into social media's 
prompting of race baiting and racial polarization. That's how uh, Facebook, Twitter, that's how they survive, by polarizing everybody and spurring division. They're making money off of it, and so the rest of the media is following suit, and they're pretending as if there was some new ground covered, and they're making something, a a non-issue, into a major issue. And yet, you know, uh, I've done a lot of digging. You know, Joe Biden's been around a long time, and Joe Biden has taken positions and said things that are really outrageous. Um, He was happy to work with segregationists. He praised them, whether it was Eastland or Stennis from Mississippi. I mean, these guys were really segregationists. It's no joke. Um, uh, And others, and, and they don't even raise it. It's not even, there's no question about it. What do you make of that? I I think, Mark, and and keep in mind, I've been a non-political participant. I've never voted. But Hmm. the thing that the media is doing and the entire establishment is doing is convincing me that clearly Donald Trump is a threat to whatever the establishment wants to have transpire. And a lot of this, to me, is tied to masculinity and trying to usher out a patriarchy and usher in a matriarchy. And I, I just think this is all driven by a massive culture war that Donald Trump is standing in the way of, or massive social engineering that they're trying to usher in that Donald Trump is standing in the way of. And and this is literally the first time in my life where I'm like, Man, I may have to vote. I, I mean, I like have a legitimate rooting interest in this because I just, the way they are eliminating God and religion and faith from American society is frightening to me. And I know that I don't perceive Donald Trump as being some passionate Christian, but I think. He is someone that's respectful of America's Judeo-Christian upbringing, or however you want to call it. That's what we were founded in, and that's mm-hmm. what made us great. And it would be a mistake to completely eliminate that from our society and culture. And so they're pushing me, man, to where <laughs> I've got a rooting interest, and I'm actually passionate about this election. You know, uh, Jason Whitlock, look at the war that they're launching on uh, Amy Coney Barrett, the federal Seventh Circuit judge, because she's a woman of faith. She has said over and over again, I'm going to comply with the Constitution. Isn't that the problem? They don't really want her to comply with the Constitution. They they really do not not, uh, respect people who actually have faith and follow their faith. And so they're going to go at war with anybody who thinks like this. Mark, I, I just honestly believe that there's such a level of immorality being ushered into American society. And I, I've been doing a lot of research on this. I, I wrote a piece about the debate, and I, I compared Chris Wallace and the American media to Nero and Rome. And according to legend, Nero uh, played the fiddle while Rome burned. And, and so I'm looking at our country being burned to the ground, and I'm looking at the American media, fiddle. And, and and so the whole question about Trump and race, I was just like, well, hold on. Why are we not talking about Antifa and Black Lives Matter? We've watched this entire summer as they tear down city after city. 
after shoot, kill police officers, harass people, burn buildings down, loot, and and we're talking about the Proud Boys. The, the, I, and I don't even know I'm, what the hell the Proud Boys is. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I just hear about them. I I, I don't. I didn't either. I've looked into them. Uh, you know, it seems the top guy like apparently a, is a black guy from Cuba. That, that's what I also see. Yeah, and there's other black members, and so I, the media just and and whoever the puppet masters of the media, big corporations, global corporations, and and this comes down to Trump's America First philosophy versus the globalist agenda. Uh, there's just an all-out war, and and I don't understand people particularly these rich athletes and whatever that have really benefited from this country, I just don't get what they're doing other than, you know, adhering to what their puppet masters tell them to do. You know, um, you're really a smart guy. You're really a wise guy. I read your stuff. I listen to how you speak. You understand the culture. In other words, I get people on here all the time. You know, they're they're a little more surface-oriented. You're much deeper than that. I mean, you're not a sports guy. That's not the way I see it. You're you're I, like a commentator on the scene, on what's going on. I've always looked at the world and American culture through the lens of sports. I've always believed in the importance of sports as it relates to American culture. But I've always tried to just be more of a culture critic. And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I'm in my 50s. I I haven't been married and I don't have kids. So that just gives me a lot of time to think, (laughs) to be quite (laughs) honest with you, where, you know, I think other people in my profession, by the time they reach my age, they got a wife and kids and they got to deal with all that. I just have a lot of time to think, and I'm very appreciative of being born into America, the privilege of being an American, the privilege of being able to worship and and believe whatever I want. American freedoms are important to me, and I, I'm I'm just proud to be an American. And what's going on right now really upsets me. I, I've got to have you back more often. Where if people want to read you and hear you, where do they go? Outkick.com. It's the play where we're. Promoting sports, masculinity, and free speech. All right, baby, I'm with you. Outkick.com. Let's go ahead and post that, Mr. Producer. Thank you, Jason. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, we are focused heavily on the House of Representatives. We need to take 17 seats and we will control the House and get rid of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, while they think they're going to have this big landslide. So I'm trying to work with a number of candidates who are in these districts that can be taken back or won flat out uh, in the House of Representatives that, uh, that the national media are not paying attention to. Jim Marchant is one of those candidates, Nevada's 4th District. I met him. He's a terrific guy. Jim, how are you, sir? Good, Mark. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Very, very well. Now tell America, and particularly the people in your district, a little bit about you and a little bit about your district. Well, I am a uh, business guy. It's my background. I uh, uh, founded three technology companies, and um, the middle one, which was an Internet service provider company, is kind of the one that kind of got me involved in politics. And uh, I was an Internet service provider company. And the Florida Department of Revenue, I was from Florida originally, and they wanted me to collect sales tax, and I actually challenged them and kind of got involved in politics uh, by doing that. We got a law passed in Florida exempting us from collecting sales tax, and every other state uh, adopted our bill, and that's why nobody in America pays sales tax on their Internet access. Mm, That's terrific. And now when did you move into uh, this district in Nevada? Yeah, 2005. I retired in 2003 and had an opportunity out here, just a small little opportunity, moved out here and loved it. And once again, I was uh, disturbed by my my own Republican Party raising taxes out here in Nevada, and I decided to run and, you know, try to stop it. So uh, uh, once again, just uh, can't keep my nose out of uh, politics out of here. Tell us about this district. Uh, the district is uh, the northern third of Las Vegas, and it goes all the way up to Ely and on the east side of the state and Urington on the west side. So it's a lot of rurals. It's a huge district, seven counties, and uh, it's a little bit plus Democrat. So it's like a plus three Cook index, uh, but it is winnable. We have had a Republican hold this office before, and uh, we're going to do it again. Now, tell me about your opponent. Tell America about your opponent. My opponent is a radical socialist. Uh, he votes 94% with AOC in the squad. What's his name? And, I, I want the name oh, so yeah. people know who to defeat. Yeah, Stephen Horsford is his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is, uh, like I said, a radical socialist. He's not a pretend socialist. He actually believes in the radical left and what AOC and Omar and all of those are all of them are peddling. So he supports them 94%, and that is definitely not the views of the people that I talk to out here in my district. How is the uh, fundraising compared to your opponent? Well, you know, Republicans always are behind, and uh, we're struggling, but uh, we're, we're doing the best we can. And, and me being a businessman, I'm able to maximize uh, every dollar. And uh, but we could all, always use more. It's uh, it's tough out here. They have George Soros, they have Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg, and their coffers are just full to the gills. And uh, ours it, are isn't not. it amazing, Jim, that the, that they have to rely on these multi-billionaires, uh, and yet they have they have painted the Republican Party as the party of the rich. Isn't that amazing? 
That's amazing. Yeah, isn't that uh, it, the hypocrisy is amazing? Yes, it's uh, it's a struggle for us. That's why we need every dollar that we can get. And I almost appreciate the people that donate a dollar to me uh, because you know they they feel so. Uh, compelled to do that, and they're worried about their country, and they, they're able to send me a dollar when they probably really can't afford it. And uh, so, but we need people to step up and help all of us Republican candidates because uh, it's a struggle. I've got to still raise an enormous amount of money between now and the election. And uh, every that's mostly what my time every day is spent on is raising money. Well, I want to ask my audience. Um, from all over the country, these uh, candidates are going to affect our lives and they're going to affect whether Nancy Pelosi remains. And I've spent a lot of time talking to each and every one of them and visiting them. And and I want to encourage you to help Jim, jimmarchant.com. That's J-I-M, obviously, M-R-C-H-A-N-T, like March Ant, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-T.com. It's up on our site. Your opponent's welcome to come on the show and uh, uh, for me to question your opponent as I'd like to. Now, that would be fun. I would really would, like to hear None that. of them come on. It's an amazing thing. It's it's like life, liberty, and living. I can't get a leftist to come on the yeah, program. He won't, they, he won't yeah. even debate me. Oh, he won't debate you? No. Uh, because I don't think he wants his record exposed, wouldn't you guess? He doesn't, and he thinks he doesn't need to. So, um, you know, Is he able to buy asked. that much airtime? Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's got tons of money. And it's like I say, it's mainly Soros and Steyer and Bloomberg and other. There's some local. Uh, Was the Democrat National Party helping you? Yes, National Party is helping me, but not as much as I would like. I would really like some more help. So they're probably you know, spread I'm, thin. Yeah, yeah, they're everybody spread thin, but uh, I understand. But uh, you know, I'll take all the help I can get from anybody. I mean, if everybody listening, you know, gave me five dollars, that would be huge. So let's uh, let's say it's jimmarchant.com, J-I-M-M-A-R-C-H-A-N-T.com. Now, how does it look in terms of your grassroots activity? It's a huge district. How does it look? Yeah, really good. I have great volunteers. Uh, We have uh, really good rural uh, county parties out here that are out beating the bushes. They're making calls for us. They're uh, walking doors for us. So that's how I won my primary, too was just a really good ground game and a grassroots effort, and that's what I'm famous for. And uh, so we're going to do it again. We've got a really good chance. The polling numbers we've gotten here recently are really, really good. We're very happy with where we're What do they tell us? They tell us that we're trending the right way, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm very, very happy. And uh, if, we, if they continue the way we're going, we're going to win this district. Have you held public office before? I have. I was in the Nevada State Assembly out here, which is our state house, and uh, and I was ranked by Matt Slap, probably a good friend of yours. I'm sure oh, yeah. you know Matt. ACU. Uh, ACU, American Conservative Union. They rank legislators all over the country based on how they vote for bills in their legislature, and he ranked me number one in the entire assembly as far as being the most conservative voting legislator. I'm very proud Outstanding. of that. I, I, I actually know Matt really well and uh, very proud of that ranking. And then there were a couple of other uh, organizations here in Nevada that are, are uh, conservative, and I was ranked at the top with them, too. Well, I know the president, we want to get reelected, 
needs a Republican House. You would be an outstanding member of the House of Representatives, Jim Marchant. Folks, if you can help him, now's the time. Uh, we got to take the House back. we got to throw her out. we got to have these yeah. solid uh, 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 conservatives and constitutionalists in the House. Jim Marchant. Dot com. Jim, M-A-R-C-H-A-N-T.com. Jim, we wish you all the best, my friend. Thank you, Mark. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and I'm a huge fan of yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you, Mark. The people I'm bringing on this program are really down-to-earth folks. They're just like all of you. Um, some of them have held office before. Some of them are citizen candidates. Um They've been very, very carefully looked at. And, you know, during the Tea Party Revolution, which still goes on, we elected a number of people to the House of Representatives, and the, uh, the Republican leader, Boehner, took him under the wing, socialized with him. This is what happens to people, by the way, like Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh and all. And uh, they really take him under their wing and, you know, socialize with them and and then we lose them. We only get a small percentage of them that actually stand by their principles. These folks are different. These folks are different. They're very, very solid. And you can hear each and every one of them. They're so earnest. So I hope you'll do whatever you can to help him. JimMarchant.com. If you go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor. By the way, are you a follower of mine on Twitter? There's millions of you out there. I know you're not. Join us. Have you friended me? Isn't that the phrase, Mr. Producer, on Facebook? And have you joined me on Parlor? We're just shy of a million. We want to help build up and muscle up Parlor, but we still want to have a very big footprint on Twitter and Facebook, enemy territory. So join us on all those platforms. We'd love to have you. Love to have you. In literally 30 minutes, I will be on the Fox News channel on Hannity TV. I think he said 9.14, give or take, but 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm the lounge act for the big act, the big man, the man you want to listen to, and that's the President of the United States. I'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Wow, this is breaking. Thanks to our friends at Legal Insurrection. 
Remember Nicholas Sandman, Mr. Producer, the young man who was libeled by so many news organizations? A federal court has just ruled that the lawsuit by Nicholas Nicholas Sandman against the New York Times, CBS News, ABC News, and Rolling Stone, you know, in different orders uh, issued by the court, can all go forward. Every motion to dismiss has been rejected. The New York Times argued, for instance, that it did not libel uh, Mr. Sandman, young Sandman, and the court said, uh, oh, yes, you did. That is, that the allegation is libelous if you can prove it. That the allegation is libelous if you can prove it. So none of those cases will be dismissed. They will all go forward. This is how important it is to have a court that has integrity. And that's one of the things we're going to be fighting for in this election. So that's excellent news. And I don't know. One of these days I'm going to hire Lynn Wood and go after some of the people who keep trying to smear me. Right, Media Matters? I'm just sitting here watching. I'm waiting to see. Just watching. As somebody who's litigated myself, I know what to look for. No threat. Just a fact. 25, 28 minutes. I'll be on Fox. Don't miss it. I go on there really for my radio audience, you know? That's the sort of thing. Well, Mr. Producer, I don't have my call screen up. Who do you recommend? Who would be a good caller? WFSX, Victoria in Florida. Go. Hello? Yes, Victoria. Go right ahead, please. Hi. Yes. Hi, Mark. I love the research work you do. I'm, I'm also a research. I'm a conservative psychologist research. Ah. Um, Steve, ah, yes. Steve Scully. I've been watching him for five years on Washington Journal in the morning. you got to look mm-hmm. into him. He is so biased against Trump when he usually on really? Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. He's very biased against Trump. Sunday mornings, you know what he uses for his um, uh, research work or whatever? He uses New Washington York Times? Post, New York Times, and... Saturday Night Live clips. What? Yes, Saturday Night Live clips. He uses those. And then, you know, he puts those up and then, you know, people call in. And plus, I got cut off last month from C-SPAN because I called in and I said that my biggest issue was to, I read the um, the Biden-Sanders uh, report, mm-hmm. task force, and I started comparing it to that it's a true Marxist manifesto. Yeah, 110 pages. It really is, 110 yeah, I, pages. I, yeah, I read that, and I started talking about it, and they just cut me right off. Have you when noticed started, the media really do not want to dig into that document? Have you noticed that? No, they don't. And I recommend, I wish that uh, Donald Trump had had that in his hand when he was well, on no, stage. no, no, it's way too detailed for him to use uh, during a debate. you got to have... Uh, and he should have shoved it over to... Uh, well, I, I, ma'am, I don't know if he's able to bring a document like that and so forth. Man, the president's getting all kinds of advice, you know that, from everybody. He should do this, he should... He needs to be himself. I agree. I totally agree. Everybody's I, giving him... He needs to do this. He needs, He won't win. He may not win. But he may win. And sometimes you just have to be yourself. Thank you for your call, my friend. Mr. Producer... The great WABC, Rosemary in New York. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. I, I was enjoying your interview with um, 
uh, Jason Whitlock, I just got my Imprimus, and he has a big article in there uh, called American Sports Are Letting Down America. And I turned on your show, and there he was. Such a coincidence. But I wanted to read to you a quote. My God, you're prescient. (laughs) 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 You have a good sense of humor. Go right ahead. Yeah, I do, which uh, you can't say that about liberals. Have you ever no, called liberals? No. I call them totalitarians. They have no sense well, you're right. of humor. They, have, they, they have don't no have sense of humor. You have to have sense to have humor. But anyway, go ahead. That's right. Well, oh, we'll don't be mad at me. Let's take her phone number and call her back tomorrow, okay? Thank you, miss. We'll call you back tomorrow, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'm going to be on Fox in 20 minutes on Hannity. I hope you'll tune in, 9.15 Eastern. By the way, I have a great guest Sunday on Fox. Senator Ted Cruz for the entire hour. You're going to love it. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.